Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Raphael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. And this week, what we are going to talk about is a complete mystery to me. In fact, you could almost say it's cryptic. <laughs> cryptic, cryptic, gentlemen. Good, good one. Uh, no, actually, we're we're going to talk about cryptocurrency in many of its incarnations, forms, usages, and then I, I also want to talk about a current event that has to do with cryptocurrency because so many of them do today. Uh, but I think first we have a special, and, and I apologize to our three listeners. We have to take care of some personal show business first before we get to the meat of the matter. Um, we had an episode uh, a little while back, four or five episodes back, about the security of bourbon, if yep. I remember correctly. And yes. one of our frequent guests and co-hosts, uh, Rafti, um, was kind of mystified and intrigued by all of this because uh, American bourbon is seen as such a fascinating status symbol to those of the Austrian persuasion. So Matt, in all of his good-natured Kentuckian pride, uh, has gifted the third party removed uh, a bottle of Eagle Rare. Yep. Oh, that is such a good one. It's one of my favorites. One of mine, too. And I had never had it before Matt gave me a bottle. He, he just loves giving out Eagle Rare. I, I, I don't know why. but um, <laughs> I'm an ambassador for bourbon and for the state. <laughs> And as you're doing a finer job than any diplomat I've ever met before. So uh, I, I'm really, really impressed. Uh, so here on the air, what do you call it now? It's not radio. On the stream, uh, Rafti's going to crack the bottle right in front of us, pour yeah. himself a taste, and suck it down. And, and for the rest <laughs> of us... For the rest of us, it's early afternoon, but for Rafti, it's the evening, so he can go ahead and get blotto right here uh, during the show, and we fully expect you to do so. I, we, we actually recommend that for new parents. It, it, we think this is a good medicinal use. All right, Let, put put the put the pouring up to the microphone. No. Oh, you pour like a wimp. Let's start. There's no ASMR here. Uh, no ASMR. Oh, sorry. Right. I heard it very the, the, clearly. The tingles but... going, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, so he's got a nice, rich glass there. Um, Matt, you got yourself a taste. My bottle's empty, unfortunately. And Joey's, <laughs> Joey's in a workplace. So, uh, gentlemen, what what do you say in Austria? It's not Skoll, it's not Prost. What is it? Oh, it it's Prost. It's Prost? Or, okay, Prost. Or zum Wohl. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, I wish I was home. <laughs> Watching you all enjoy that. <laughs> what do you think? Very good. Yeah, Very good. it is. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? it's so different to whiskey. I can yes. already tell you that because we, of course, in Europe have more whiskey, more scotch. Um, the the color and the texture is different as well, and of course, the the sweetness and how how like smoky it's way uh, it's a lot sweeter, I'd say, and. Mm. Um, less of the this torf thing. I th I don't know how it's called in English, but peaty. yeah, it's very a good. Peaty flavor. Thank you, uh, thank you, Matt. Scotch. Yeah, Matt, you're awesome. Scotch. I happen to love Scotch. Scotch has more of that peaty kind of um, dirt flavor, whereas uh, Kentucky does have <laughs> the sweetness to it. 
Yep. Very well, good. Very good. Well done. My man. first bourbon. First bourbon. Not easy to get, I'd say. Like um in our version of Walmart, I'd say, or I don't know. You can get scotch and stuff like that. Like you have an an, an selection there. But <laughs> bourbon, um, no. <laughs> Oh, um, so gotta, thank you. We got to change that. You're, yeah. you're, you're our newest ambassador to bring bourbon to the rest of Austria. And Kentucky the bourbon. European Union. Yeah. Kentucky bourbon. You're right. <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, now we can talk some infosex stuff. Um, cryptocurrency. We've done a couple episodes already discussing what it is, the the public ledger using asymmetric crypto to track transactions of um, numbers. Basically, that's all they really are. All, all Bitcoin, Ethereum, all those things, they're just uh, a set of numbers that is, um, depending on the currency, somewhat limited. Uh, in some cryptocurrencies, more can be generated through a particular process. Uh, it is distributed, the ledger and the calculation, the blockchain itself is processed among all of the user base. Uh, let's talk about how it's actually used. Rafti, I think you were saying in an earlier episode, or maybe during one of our chats after an episode, that you have, uh, in safing your company, uh, started taking payment via crypto coins and... Um, you do this for a number of reasons. One, because it's it can be fairly anonymous and your whole business models around privacy. And also, too, because it simplifies a lot of the international transactions, which you necessarily have to have to reach your market. Uh, tell us about your experience setting up crypto and, and getting launched in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So we are currently accepting three cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum and Monero. Monero being one with a hidden ledger as well. Um, so this is one of the more private ones. Um, I should maybe have looked into it better, but as far as I understand, it's one of, uh, it's, you can't, you have to have a view key to in decrypt um, the part of the blockchain, which holds your, the information of how much um, Monero you actually have in your wallet. So there are different parts of the keys with one you can only view and with the other, you can also sign a transaction. So um, Monero is a little bit different to the others. Um, but so our main t uh, target was, and you were right, um, for us, uh, privacy is what we do. So we already accept cash um, sending us via mail, um, just so everybody knows this is illegal in Austria. So we tell everybody... <laughs> It's, now, is it it's, illegal to send, uh, what is it, euros, or, or, or can I send dollars to you? Yeah, basically, cash, sending cash in the mail without labeling it okay. is, is not allowed, and you would have to have a proper, like, What's envelope. the reason for that? I have no clue. I didn't look into it. <laughs> uh, I okay. think it's just in the terms of service of our postal service, so... They just tell okay. you you're not allowed to do it. And we tell this to our uh, customers. We tell them, well, it's at your own risk, of course. So basically what we then figured, um, well, if we do this already, um, we should maybe accept crypto as well. And the funny thing, or I think the reason why I'd like, why <laughs> what I told um, the two of you earlier uh, is that when you start looking into this, everybody is talking about crypto as an investment. Nobody's talking about crypto as an actual currency, like money. <laughs> You're saying, well, it's like it's cash or it can be cash, but nobody's talking about it that way. So for us, figuring out how to accept crypto without just using a service that's doing it for you, 
Um, and because privacy is our thing, we wanted to have something that nobody else can look at, you know? So we wanted to have our own wallet addresses, our own wallets stored and our own nodes and everything so that we are in control of this and you don't have to trust any other party. And to do something like this, setting up the system, as far as I can tell, um, there's like nobody's talking about that stuff. Everybody is talking about investing and how you store your currency, but not how to transact with it. And uh, so I, I thought that's an interesting topic. I, last time, as you said, uh, the theory around crypto has been interesting, but actually transacting in crypto, I think, is something that fairly like uh, most people just buy it in their exchange and keep it there. And then the exchange yeah. gets hacked and then they lose it. And so, yeah, Lofty, I, I got to ask, that's that's awesome. And I'm glad that you brought up this particular aspect of the topic. I've done a couple of crypto transactions. I had a, a, a you know, a Bitcoin or something like that a while ago. I bought it. I sold it. I had to use a third party to do it, like you were just saying. And I forget which one I used. Uh, I didn't really even understand what I was doing other than I was trusting a service that evidently other people also trusted. And I kind of took that uh, for granted. There should be a way to just have person-to-person -person transaction or site-to-site -site transactions where I'm just conveying, I'm adding to the blockchain this transaction and that's enough. That should suffice. How did you learn how to do that? How did you figure that out finally? You didn't go to Wikipedia and do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's, it is, it is of course, a little bit of trial and error. But basically what you need to do is understand how to host a node yourself, is understand what you need to to get a node running. And, uh, and when with you say that... a node, a node is a device that's connected to the distributed network of all yes. the machines hosting the blockchain. Exactly. Okay. So you, you have almost like you don't have to have the full, you can have a prune blockchain. So the latest parts of it, but you have to have at least the full blockchain on your node at least once to do all the calculations through to verify that you actually have the real thing to get to the current state. Exactly. Exactly. This is, I now, just got to be huge. That's got to be a huge dedicated machine. When, when blockchain first started, when Bitcoin first started, it was a small ledger because there weren't that many transactions. Now it's vast and it's constantly churning. So keeping up with that, and this is increasing, you know, in orders of magnitude, that's got to be a dedicated machine, at least one dedicated machine. Oh, yeah, I think you wanted to say something. Oh, yeah, I was just, Ben, you made a comment right before of, uh, before Rafti was kind of explaining what he's doing. When do you think Bitcoin and trading will be like Venmo and as easy as Venmo is? back and forth independent between the parties where you see the ledger, you know, if you want down below, if you've ever used Venmo, you see, oh, so-and-so has paid, you know, Joey paid Ben for drinks last night and Matt paid Rafti, you know, whatever. But uh, do you think that that's far off? Are you asking me or Rafti? Anyone on the, on, anyone on the, on the, on the podcast. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that it's, it's for Bitcoin in particular, it's probably a long ways off if ever. And the main reason for that is Bitcoin has a, uh, a threshold, a throttle built into it. Uh, and I think that the throttle is something like a thousand transactions per second or something like that. Oh, so it, it just simply by design is not capable of keeping up with hundreds of thousands or millions of transactions per second. And that's been one of the biggest reasons why it's, Bitcoin is, has kind of kind of kind of stalled out recently. 
but I, you know, whether or not that actually is the reason why it wouldn't work, I don't, I, I can't say. But I do know that there are technological limitations to why you wouldn't be able to do something like that. Rocky Mate probably has more insight into it than I do. I, so basically, I think it would be possible, but there are different multiple factors. Matt, I think you you raised a very great point there. So this is block size, of course, and this changes. But for us, of course, this is interesting as well because it's distributed. Um, everybody's talking about like how many like validations you need to have until you're sure that your transaction actually went through. So not with the in, when your transaction actually occurred, there ca there's a chance of having two blocks simultaneously which are valid by two different nodes, and then you have a fork, and basically you have to wait a couple of uh, additional blocks till the whole like community it's, of nodes decides on which Schrodinger's fork transaction. Because in one, in one reality, the transaction took place, but in another reality, the transaction didn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason why you have to wait for a couple of like um, validations. And usually there's diff there are guides for this um, online where they are telling you, well, um, you have to wait five blocks, you have to wait six blocks or whatever. It depends on the amount you have been sending. Uh, because it's of course, risk uh, there's a risk associated with this and the risk gets lower the longer you you uh, wait the more blocks you have. But as far as I can tell, I'm not 100% sure. But I think the time for a block on Bitcoin, I think is 10 minutes at the moment or something like that. So this is every 10 minutes, there's a block that's being like, I don't know, so, minted. So if you're for six blocks to be, be validated, then you won't know for an hour if your transaction actually successfully went through or not, or if it disappeared. <laughs> I might be off there a bit, but yes, I think that's that's sort of it. Um, but there are different, uh, of course, protocols as well. There are sub protocols for Bitcoin. This would be Lightning or something, or Bitcoin Cash, where they wanted to increase the speed of it. And this is a fork, a fork of the Bitcoin chain, where they're having like stuff like smart contracts. Bitcoin chain that doesn't actually like like smart contracts. Ethereum was built from the get go to have stuff like that in place. But so there are different cryptocurrencies which are faster. And I have been using to pay, like I've used Ethereum to pay a couple of things. And I think like, especially with using QR codes to, to so Joey, to get back to your question, it's basically, I don't, in, in Europe, we don't use Venmo that much, but we sometimes use PayPal. And, um, and of course our bank transactions usually have like for our system as well and QR code. You can display that, you can scan that, and then send money. And sometimes in the QR code, it's already included how much money you want to send if you want to have a note with it as well and stuff like that. And basically, crypto transaction is the same thing. If you have if you have a hot wallet like on your phone and you have an app and this app can transfer the money, then it's like this. If you have um, something like cold storage or something, um, of course, there it's a little bit more tedious, but for small amounts, stuff you would carry around in your in your pocket, you know, that it's intended to be used like cash, where you're like, well, maybe 100 euros or something, $100 uh, amounts you would carry around with you as well. Um, the risk, of course, is lower, so the security doesn't need to be so high. So uh, an app that's not too like far off from a PayPal app is very easy and is is already out there for. I got. I got. I got. I'm going to give my own pessimistic opinion, and sure. it's it's for a reason different than Matthews. And and I get the. I love the idea of cryptocurrency. Don't get me wrong. I'm 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 a proponent. Um, I think the reason why it will never quite have that same penetration that cash does 
is because every cash transaction is discrete. And I use the word with the ETE <laughs> as opposed to the EET, meaning um, not that it's private, not that it's not that it has discretion, meaning it's discrete in that it's an individual transaction at that moment, totally separate and distinct from all other transactions. When you're talking about crypto transactions, they all necessarily have to be recorded in the ledger, which uh, defeats the individuality and the the freedom of all of those separate transactions taking part in stasis away from all the other transactions. So now if you're talking about an app that distinguishes itself as a subset of the ledger and says, we're just going to host daily transactions or we're taking these amounts of crypto coins pulling them out of the ledger and then letting them shuffle real quick maybe that would be a way to facilitate that but then that would come with its own attendant risks and it wouldn't be married exactly to the blockchain anyway that that's my guess that that's what I. Yeah, and of course then it's not cash then you have a third party who is doing this like easy transaction on a daily basis and they will of course know what the transaction was as well like paypal but, yeah 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 exactly exactly like PayPal, exactly like I feel like I feel like Dr. Spengler, played by Bill Murray, uh, right now talking to Egon and Ray uh, about this. Uh, I'm Cats just going to flip it. So throw that in there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Rafi, you bring up an interesting point. Something that that I'd completely forgotten about, but uh, I, I, I now remember Bitcoin and and cryptocurrency as a whole isn't necessarily static in its ledger. It can have a fork. And in fact, there was a famous fork, which was, like you said, the Bitcoin cash, I think it's called, which is, you know, it's, it's still referred to colloquially as Bitcoin, but it's set com a completely separate entity at this point from the primary, the main Bitcoin uh, blockchain. So, and, and that can happen. And um, uh, I, I guess it's a good thing, but gosh, it, it seems like every time it would fork, if it was if it's a major fork, that that's terrifying, especially if you've got more than just a trivial amount of money tied up in this. That's true. I, I guess so as well. For us, as uh, like for accepting crypto uh, as a like payment option, um, this is not as much of an issue for us. We're not holding our crypto for like years and thinking, oh well. It will go to the moon at one point. Um, so for us, this is not too much of an issue, but um, just the daily fluctuation, just the daily dangers, of basically, so to speak, of, of crypto um, is, is something where we're like, well, um, it's going up and down. We decided, um, like maybe to, to talk about some of the pros, why we did it. Um, crypto is in, in a certain sense like cash that when somebody sends you crypto and you see it in your wallet and you wait for those blocks, then this is yours. They can take it back. Um, like if you send a PayPal transaction, if you send a credit card transaction, there's always like the possibility of the, of the credit card that has been used being stolen or something. And for a business, this always is associated with huge costs, chargeback costs. Of course, they take that money, but they take extra money because you accepted this credit card. Um, yeah. So they, they, they lay that burden on to you. Um, PayPal is not that, uh, that um, expensive. Um, they're doing, because they accepted the credit card. They, you only have to give back the amount they, they sent you and stuff like that. But so for us, we said, well, okay, so the, the price of Bitcoin is varying, is varying over, over time. Um, but this usually is not as big 
as the the risk because of course the risk then is this risk is still ours but the risk of maybe a faulty credit card or something is totally off the table at this point so we accept it well this risk we have but this other we absolutely don't have and if we have it it's ours and if we can trade it for money later on well this is a different topic but i think we can get into this those that's the big question that i was going to have is when do you cash out and how often do you cash out now before we get to that though i want to jump on something that just reminded me of because the price fluctuates more than say the dollar or the euro with every, everything all currency <clears throat> fluctuates but more uh, centralized currencies are more stable which is kind of their appeal um have you changed your prices or do you have a varied pricing structure that you peg it to this day's market read is this amount? This is Good how question. much Bitcoin we're charging today. I think the industry standard for it, and I had a look at different uh, how other vendors are doing this. We guarantee an exchange rate for an hour, so not even longer okay. than this. Okay. And if the transaction is initiated, I talked about blocks as well, but if the if the block is within that hour, um, even though we're waiting for the validation longer, you get this exchange rate, and we always peg it to the euro. So, and do you um, use a third-party service to have your affixed price? I mean, we is, aggregate. Th- is there someone out there like the Dow Jones or the you know whoever it says this is the price right now? Okay, yeah. So we're talking about uh, exchanges now, crypto exchanges, and there are a couple out there, and we aggregate ac- across multiple. We are telling people um, that our main one is AnyCoin. Um, just because we figured like through all like, and it's always a buying and selling amount for each exchange, of course, as well. So there's a difference there. Also, if you have been into like stock trades and stuff, it's basically like this. There are always people asking more for the crypto than there are people willing to pay for it. It's like with stock, but there are multiple ones. We aggregate across them and we've found that we have backups but in general we're taking one that's currently any coin we're transparent about this as well um telling people any coin is where we get the exchange rate uh but we have backups and basically it's just one exchange rate where we look at there are currently people buying and uh selling crypto for this amount you take the average. average between that okay all right yeah but yeah, just for a small period of time not an algorithm just for your product pricing yeah yeah sure, sure. fascinating that's yeah, yeah. fascinating and if it's okay. changing too much we stop it we hold it and we tell people you can't you can't send us money at the moment okay um right. even though and we're not the... transacting it right afterwards okay so then the next really important thing that as joey was mentioning is when do you sell this thing how do you sell how do you recoup your money to pay your rent buy your groceries get your baby formula how do you do that <laughs> well um at the moment uh we are keeping the crypto in different wallets um and then we're sending it to an exchange and of course because we are the owner of the wallets and this is what i'm talked about earlier like there are services that do this immediately for you but we chose to be like a little bit like be more independent because this is of course the beauty of crypto we accept it into our wallets and then we have it with uh, our wallets which is cold storage and then we we move that um that those currencies to an exchange and we can decide which one we can then look which has the best exchange rate uh where's the most money we of course had to register with them a very tedious process as well because of the you and know your customer rules and stuff like that um but also this is the reason that we didn't want to have the money with the exchange because of course then they're in charge and they can tell you well you're not getting your euros at this point because we don't 
we are not sure where this money is coming from and so and so and so so we're collecting it locally we then we already have vetted a couple of of exchange rates so i have an uh, uh, options there but then we choose one i send it to that exchange and then they convert it back to to yours for us um some and do they how do they deliver the money to you? Is it direct deposit to your bank account or? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. We're not getting any parcels with money. People, you don't have to come to us. No, Only no, no. A little if they cut you a check or if they're, you know, I, I was wondering exactly how the money is conveyed. Okay. So it, it's... Checks are not a thing in Europe. I never <laughs> seen a check in my life. So <laughs> we don't use checks. <laughs> they, they are wiring it to our bank account. <laughs> You guys were the inventors of the chip and pin, I think, right? I don't yeah. know, but yeah. But uh, when I heard that uh, the reason why credit cards are like raised is the U.S. and that there are still places using that sort of like to to fold it down, I'm like, whoa, whoa, where? where? <laughs> I'm paying wirelessly, like with NFC, for years at that point, you know. And um, so you've I've never, never used the knuckle buster. You've never used one of those chunk chunk machines to run no, a, a, no. a card not Bro, this. You're, you're missing out on a full life, Rafti. You'll never know what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah. seen that and never seen a check in my life. You know, those I, are the things. You know, someday I'll tell you the BCDR story where I saw a Las Vegas casino whip those things out and use them. Are you in, serious? In modern, in modern times. I'll tell you that story at some point. But was, okay. it, was it by any chance the Hilton? Caesar's Palace. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so so you can take the money, you can uh, get the money, get it back. That's really cool. Do you make purchases ever with your crypto, or are you all just using it as refunding? Uh, of course, our accounting department, like we have an external accountant, and she is a very lovely woman. If you are living in the Austrian area near Vienna, I can recommend her to you if you if you reach out. Um, we are doing we uh, because we're like our legal entity is required to have like a very complex. We are a German speaking country, a very complex <laughs> way of bookkeeping, and we added each cryptocurrency as a separate book, um, like in our accounting system. So. Um, we have all of them on record and we are taking great care and we need to, and, and with this also, we need, if we pay for something, we need to tell her how much euros this were at the moment we sent it. I so, was just going to ask you that there's yeah. a cost basis in the U S the tax service has now added capital gains tax on the difference, the fluctuation of the pricing. Yeah. You this have is the a, same thing? Yeah, yeah. We have it for years now. Um, because Austria, we are, we are taking taxes on gambling as well. So, um, Austria does not want to, to get any taxes, um, out of their hands. So we are very like, yeah, we're not American. We're a very tax heavy country. I can tell you, I feel that with every paycheck I have to pay. Um, so does this piss off your bookkeeper, your accountant? Does this drive her crazy? It's everyday like business for her. She makes wow. money with that. That's how she makes money, you know? Okay. <laughs> That's the reason okay. why you need to have a bookkeeper. <laughs> it increases her hourly rates. Exactly, you, exactly. Yeah, so she's not too bad. Oh, too bad. You pay the bookkeeper in crypto. <laughs> no. See, but every time, like, this is such a fun thing. Every time we are getting confronted with, 
oh no, why do you do this? Converting it to euros. You're in the way of be like crypto being an actual like currency. And I'm like, nobody else is taking it. And those amounts were getting it from me. You know, I cannot some, some hosting services for servers accept crypto, but most don't, you know, um, I can't even buy a Tesla with Bitcoin anymore. You know, uh, not that I would get one privacy nightmare, but <laughs> I can't even because, um, they accepted Bitcoin for a while, but this is now out of the window as well. And so of course my, my employees, nobody's taking crypto for me most of the time, uh, but some do. And, uh, in those cases, of course, it usually, because it is not involving an exchange, who would like to take money, of course, as well. Um, from from us with this transaction, this is cheaper. If we send it to another, and if the price they are setting in crypto is okay, then usually paying something in crypto directly is cheaper, but we're getting more crypto than we would be spending usually. So credit card transaction charges three to six percent service fee. What are the what are the the markets, what are the the exchanges charge you for cashing out or or purchasing crypto? Um, so first of all, you always have to wire, like send the crypto first as well. Uh, and depending on the, with Ethereum, it's called gas prices. Um, but for the, the fee that the miners are taking for like getting your transaction into the block, you have to do this of course as well. So this is taken off. This would be the same for paying it directly as well, but this is the first fee you're paying. Then the transaction actually converting into euros. There, you of course have to find somebody who is like taking that amount of crypto from you for the price that you like. So of course you're you're taking it from the top, but maybe have to go a little bit further down as well to move all that crypto. And so it it's very opaque. Our our accountant basically just wants to know you had so much you had so many people paid, like I said, with the exchange rate and euros up front how much euros are back on your bank account afterwards and everything in between. For so, you don't, so you don't even know what's being shaved in the I can tell you, I can tell you an assumption, but I don't want to get no, into no, that's fair, like, that's fair. yeah, yeah. This, this show think... is not about facts, Rafti. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. And okay. I want to be accurate. Okay. <laughs> no, but Do I think. Supposition it... and anecdotal experience, please lay it on us. <laughs> no, but I think it's around that, that amount as well. I, I don't think it's 10%. Percent. But yeah, exactly. Up to six, seven percent. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And depending, right. of course, so on the amount equivalent. you're, it's it's about the amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I think that the bigger picture is this sounds so convoluted to be able to accept crypto as a payment plan that you're eating way more than six percent into your profits just to have the staff and the software and the time to get all this managed. It sounds like a nightmare. I mean, you could easily have an entire full-time employee just running the crypto side to be able to accept the money for it. And, and gosh, that eats into whatever possible gains you would get from this, it sounds like. <laughs> There's no way I could do this. <laughs> Hopefully, Mofty has, a, has a, good, a good streamlined method for, for handling all this. I, I guess it's just, you know, cost of doing business for you, but it seems like it would be expensive overall, not just in, their, in the fees to, to do all this, but just in the time and manpower. And the knowledge. And the fact that they had to go learn this stuff. I mean, you know, again, I hate to sound like a Luddite, but the archaic or, or the, the legacy uh, transactional stuff it has kind of a leg up just on its simplicity, simply because credit cards have been around for so long and so many third parties are willing to handle the transactions. In Wannabea, the stuff that I, that I purvey, 
Um, I've gone almost, you know, wholly with PayPal and Stripe and letting them manage my credit card trans. I don't touch a credit card. I never, I don't have to be PCI compliant. I offloaded it to them and I don't know what's going on and I don't care as long as the money keeps rolling in. Um, yeah. We're using Stripe for credit card as well. It okay. makes this so easy. Yeah. It takes you oh, out yeah. of the scope. It takes you out of so yeah. much out of scope. You don't even have to worry about it. Exactly. And I, you know, I don't have to do the bookkeeping. All I got to do is keep track of the, the numbers. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's a different story as well. We wanted to use someone else except, except like Stripe is a U.S. company and people are in the privacy sector, always a little bit wary about the five eyes, which of course the U.S. is one of the biggest ones. Um, and so we wanted to take, uh, we wanted to use a different one, but they actually don't like in their terms of service, they they don't tell you that they don't want to accept um, VPNs or stuff like that. And of course, for us, it's easier to tell them that we are like doing something like a VPN, even though last time we already talked about it, that we're doing something different, but um, they didn't want us as a customer. So we went with Stripe because we already had a contract with them. Everything was figured out already. Stripe is fairly easy for this. And there are services who are doing similar things for pay, uh, for crypto as well. Um, but uh, they don't look as sleek as Stripe. I can tell you this already. Not that we look very sleek in that regard, but what I, uh, what we wanted is uh, if you want to pay privately, we wanted to assure you that it's actually private and that, that there is not, not a service in between which can see the transaction or stuff like that, which knows, well, you, this Bitcoin address just paid for, for SPN access or something, you know? And so with us, and uh, if you want to, know about the cost i was just thinking about it it is definitely in the tens of thousands of euros which um the we invested into the whole thing i would not say a hundred but um it's it's a very like it's a significant a huge, amount it's a significant amount we already invested into the system also for the bookkeeping of course as well um so I know we, I think we should market this more. If anybody is interested, Ben, if you let me, you can contact me as well. We would be up for licensing this. So Matt, if you want to, you can accept it <laughs> <to> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's, here's the easy question, Rafti. When are you going to use crypto to buy us a gallon of gas? Oh, this is a very, is there an option to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, can you, can you do the buy me a coffee thing with crypto or no? I, I don't know if they Is accept it. only it. cash? Okay. All right. All right. That, that'll be interesting. See, I, I, I'd like to find that out. But the Whenever very cool you're ready. pitch for you, um, like for everybody who's listening, like there's the link. If, if Ben puts it into the description, buy me a coffee. Uh, and you can buy uh, Ben a coffee or a gallon of gas prices. I think and they're can... going down in Europe again. So I'm not sure how, how it's going with. The yeah, you can sponsor the show. And in turn, the show is sponsoring a jockey who does professional horse racing. And she just won again last night wearing the securitized pants. Nice. Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, the, the name of the horse was, I think, ours and theirs, something like that. Huh. Cool. Anyway, we're very proud. Yeah. So Eric right. is three for three now, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know how many times she's worn the pants and not won. All I know is every time she tells me she's wearing the pants, she ends up winning. Yeah. It's kind of monotonous at this point. <laughs> All right. So now here's the big ugly question and kind of a risk for you, Rafti. And I don't mean to take the wind out of your sails. Again, I'm a proponent of crypto. Good. 
what about the deity? <laughs> and the reason, the reason I asked that question, what about the children, is the United States just did something that it hasn't done before. It has added to an export control list and a crypto exchange technology called Tornado Cash. Any of you heard of Tornado Cash? Familiar with it? Okay. I Again, I only heard about it because this happened. I don't know much about the industry. Uh, Tornado Cash was one of these exchanges that facilitated um, crypto for money, money for crypto. And it was uh, shareware. It's distributed. It's, you know, it's just a, a tool, a mechanism for doing this. But evidently, some of the transactions that were taking place were uh, kind of the thing that your providers were concerned about, Rafti. Where's the money coming from? What's it for? And where is it going? The whole know your customer laws and and so forth. And there were questions on whether Tornado Cash was being used to facilitate illicit tra uh, 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 transactions for illicit activity including a small one of $455 million to the North Korean rocket program. Now, huh. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how you fund a rocket program through Bitcoin, but, or, or who would want to, or how that's done, or, or you know, what was being purchased. Joey, stop touching your machine. It's very distracting. Or turn your screen off. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, but this, this occurred, and it... Uh, draw, it drew the attention of law enforcement authorities uh, worldwide to the point where one of the entities hosting uh, Tornado Cash was arrested by Danish police, I think. Um, yeah, and, and this, is, this is a very scary thing. I don't, Rafti, I never want to hear that you're in an Austrian jail, which I'm sure are very nice compared to American prison. <laughs> I don't know about it. I, I just saw pictures of Gitmo, so I don't know how proper American <laughs> prisons look like. Um, um, but... They're not great. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. Um, so I guess the big question is, um, how do we all feel about the fact of the government getting involved here, calling this a controlled item? Usually the, the export control lists were for military or dual use properties that could have military application. I guess the way they're doing uh, 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 this perspective is that if it can be used to fund a foreign missile program, evidently that is a military application, but that's like saying money can be a weapon. And you know, the, the, it, it starts to get really strange here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. How much, how many weapons do you think have been purchased with us dollars around the world? You exactly. Know? Exactly. How many of them have taken them off the cocaine on them? You know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. How many of them been, been uh, between a stripper's thighs? You know, I mean, the <laughs> dollars have gone everywhere and done everything and we're not going to indict the U S dollar at any point. Um, so I, again, from an IT perspective, the thing that disturbs me the most about it is that these were just lines of code. And the article that I read made exactly the leap in connection that I made when I was reading the article. This is very similar to PGP. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the history of PGP at all. Pretty good privacy. 
Correct. The guy who wrote that created a tool that allowed individual encryption for email users. And yep. it's st it's still used today. I think it was written back in 1999 or something like that. I mean, it's... Yeah, I used it in uh, college in the 90s. So, yeah, it's been around. It's been around for a long, long time. And he immediately made it shareware. I mean, everybody can use it and, and whatever. The American government didn't like it. And they spent years because governments don't like when their people can talk privately. Governments want to see what you're doing at all times. Um, and they spent years trying to figure a way. First, they told him they wanted the back door. And he said, he said, not only won't I do that, I can't. It just, it, there's no way to apply a backdoor to it. Then when he wouldn't comply, they looked for ways to make it illegal, which is where we ended up with the export control list, which is a Department of Commerce or Department of State law, depending on which one you're looking at. And they said this could be used to facilitate uh, clandestine intelligence activities in foreign countries. Therefore, you cannot distribute the code to anyone. To their credit, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology printed it in a book overseas and <laughs> sold that and said, "Here you go. Here, here's the source code. Do you see why you can't outlaw software? Because it's still just First Amendment freedom of expression kind of stuff. You can't stop the signal." Um, so PGP, even though theoretically it's illegal to export, is still used. You still have PGP in Austria, don't you, Rafti? Yeah. yeah. We didn't. We didn't keep it here inside the continental U.S. We weren't able to do that. <laughs> so I'm concerned with this tornado cash idea that something that could be used to facilitate commerce is being seen as potentially being weaponized like a U.S. dollar, and therefore they're going to stamp down on it. That And, and I don't want you ever being accused of facilitating through the use of your, you call it the SPN, the Safing Privacy Network. I don't want you ever being accused of harming the deity or facilitating illicit transactions and therefore getting arrested. So you think like I would be accused of that because of the network or you think we are being accused of that because of like we accept crypto? I think the crypto anonymous, the quasi anonymity of the crypto transaction could raise to a level of ire among law enforcement, whether your law enforcement are ours, just because ours tend to think they have a global reach. And if you couldn't prove where a transaction came from, you don't know your customer, and they're using your service to stay sub Rosa, then you could be accused of creating a network that harms the deity. Yeah, sure. No, and I, I understand. And we're thinking about stuff like that, like uh, a lot of times. Um, one of the things that we didn't touch on last time was that um, what we're not doing is protecting servers. So like the big difference between or, or what toward the dark net um, is, is that the server can have, can hide behind a Tor connection as well. Um, so for us, what, what we like to do is uh, be of course on the, on the light, on the light side. What, how, dark side, light side? The side I don't know. of the light, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so we are not protecting servers. Every every server you can reach through the SPN is has to be publicly accessible. How do you um, determine that? We just use public DNS. We just okay. use. We don't have an, a separate DNS. We, it's all public. Our default is Cloudflare. 
not sure what you think about Cloudflare, but <laughs> I respect they, them. I, I, I love Cloudflare. I use yeah. Cloudflare all the time. Yeah, you you like you like their blog posts, uh, very very technical and stuff. I I got, they're they're cool. They're cool doing cool things, and and their DNS is very fast. Um, we tried Quad Nine as well. Um, they their HTTPS over TLS was very slow. And when we tried to to send the money, and they even reached out to us, and we tried to improve stuff. So now you can try to use Quad Nine as well, but. Uh, so this is basically it. If if your if uh, Cloudflare has an IP address for you, you can connect to it. And if you have a direct IP address, of course you connect to it as well. But then this IP address, of course, is in the is in the public web, and everybody could, with the knowledge of this IP address, connect to it. So so let me let me throw this out there. Someone uses the SPN to hide traffic on public internet. And the reason they're hiding traffic is because they're harming Dieti or they're supporting the North Korean missile program. Do you do you feel any culpability for that kind of thing, or or does that concern you at all? I'm not sure what culpability means, but uh, a concern, <laughs> responsibility. I, okay, yeah. Um, uh, guilt, guilt. <laughs> well, I can already tell you. Um, so we have thought about this. And and many people are, have been asking us this question. And I always say, like, if you're doing stuff like hurting kids um, or like smuggling drugs or something, there are people who are digging tunnels, like doing physical infrastructure, owning boats, doing stuff like that. They don't need to use our service. It's much harder for an individual to get protected. PGP, for instance, this is technical. Not everybody knows how to use it. It's much harder for an individual to encrypt their DNS traffic. It's much harder to, for an individual to even change their DNS, I would say. And we're trying to make everything easier for the individual. So I'd say if, you, if you're furious and like an, an adversary who is advanced, who knows their stuff, who, who knows how to build missiles, we are not the service they're using. Uh, or at least... We are not. We might be an alternative they could be using, but we're not the reason they're doing what they're doing, and we're not facilitating it in any way. You know, I, I, um, and I have to agree with you. And, and and I think from a first principle standpoint, it would be somewhat like blaming the Wright brothers for nine eleven. You know, you if a technology is going to be misapplied or misused, it is not the fault of the person who made the technology. You know. Uh, a kidnapping occurs not because telephones were invented. You can't accuse Alexander Graham Bell of facilitating kidnapping, but the ransom call does get made via the telephone. You know, it, it, yes, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. All yeah, right. and in regards to crypto, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, there, are ta- there are, of course, laws as well in regards to what uh, we need to know about our customers and stuff. Um, basically, we only need, for tax reasons, to have two informations of where they're from. And so we ask them for the country directly and we ask them for the first two digits, like the plus one for the US or plus four three for Austria. They only need to give us this. We don't need a phone number. We only need the first two, like the country code digits. And that's it. And so we have a very validation, two separate um, selections. One you know, one you two you know, basically, but that you're from there. And this is enough for tax reasons. And Austria uh, has, uh, we are considered an ISP. So what happens on the network does not, uh, we're not liable for this as well. So Because you're not, you're not a publisher, you're a service provider. 
Exactly. Exactly. So in Joey, that regard, you finally gotten settled. Do you have, do you have more questions now? No, no, I'm taking it all in. <laughs> okay. Matt, what do you got? I still just can't get over how, how convoluted and complicated and all the effort that Rafi has gone through to get, you know, $5 worth of crypto every day. And <laughs> because this just seems like uh, just a lot of work, so, but hopefully it all pays off in the end. And, and I'm joking, obviously. I don't know how much Rafi makes. I, I assume that he makes. I was going to say five bucks a day. Shit, I, I you know I would be happy to retire on that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> You'd be killing Wanabia. That's awesome. But yeah, hopefully uh, Rafi, having put in all this this work on the front end, getting the infrastructure in place, will will pay off as as safing grows and the portmaster becomes popular and the SPN. Uh, becomes a de facto standard, and, and you know he'll be able to. As we were chatting briefly before the the, the show, sorry, he'll hopefully be able to retire here soon and uh, just live off of his millions and his pension, and uh, never have to to think about IT or or, or crypto ever again. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it is interesting to talk about crypto from a from a user's standpoint, from you know, uh, and, and not from the the uh, the theoretical the uh, you know parts of the. Yeah, everybody gets tripped up over on, you know, there, there's this ledger, there's, it's all cloud-based, it's all the computation, all the farming, you know, the mining and stuff like that. People just want to be able to use crypto, like Joey said, in, in kind of a day-to-day -day basis. And it's not there yet, but it's through efforts of people like Rafti and the company like Safing that, that we're slowly inching to in that direction. And it's interesting to hear, um, you know, the, the thoughts and the perspectives that are, that are out there on, on, on that type of stuff. Now, like, Matt, I, yeah. I know you've done some mining, right? Yeah, What's that experience like? Yeah, this was years ago. This was back when Bitcoin was maybe worth 500 bucks or something like that. And in fact, um, going back to the ransomware episodes, there were a couple of instances where uh, uh, I had I'd had ransomware on a client machine and had to figure out how to get crypto to be able to pay the, the ransom. In other words, the client gave me the go ahead. OK, pay the ransom. Well, shit, now how am I going to find a Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, I got to go, go, you know, uh, take pictures of my driver's license, and, you know, all this stuff to be able to just get a single Bitcoin back in those days. Yeah, the mining that I did, I just ran a simple miner uh, on some leftover computers. It became very quick. Or it became apparent very, very quickly that it was not worth the electricity that it was costing me to, to mine a Bitcoin, which is why you get into the reason that Bitcoin is what it is now. You, you you know you set up your Bitcoin miners in places where electricity is cheap or or, or labor is plentiful because that's the only way to make any money off of it. And uh, Joey and I had a client uh, earlier this year come to us about wanting to set up a Bitcoin uh, mining farm. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, going to be here in Kentucky. That uh, I don't think it's gone anywhere. But Joey and I were were specking out basically how to run several thousand dedicated ASIC miners to be able to get uh, Bitcoin. For, for these guys. And, and I think that we uh, we overestimated what we were going to charge them uh, because we knew they were going to be making a ton of money off of Bitcoin. <laughs> they were still pretty much in the startup mode and didn't want to pay our fees. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's fascinating from the technological standpoint. It's it's still, it doesn't make any sense to me or to a lot of people just because the the, the sheer amount of effort and knowledge you have to have just to make a single Bitcoin or, or, or a single piece of cryptocurrency. And on top of that, you throw in the volatility, the volatility and the speculation and how quickly, you know, a Bitcoin can go from being thirty two thousand dollars to twenty one thousand dollars. You know, you can lose a third of its of its value in no time at all. I think you, Joey. I, I think you still have such a huge percentage of population 
that hear the word Bitcoin and it is Egyptian hieroglyphs to them. It is it, it, it is so over the head. And, and that's why I made the joke like I'm kind of the Dr. Van, the Peter Venkman listening to you guys because there's a I don't know if you remember in, in uh, Ghostbusters, he says, pretend for a minute that I never I don't know what metallurgy is or all <laughs> these things because because uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoining and all of that is an area where I, I don't know a lot about. And, and it's an area, to be honest with you, I don't have a, a desire to because it fluctuates so much. But I know, you know, experts like Rafti and, and I know Matthew has substantial experience in it. It has a lot of merit and it has a lot of opportunity there. But I think the majority of people, the consumers, right, are not ready to buy into it. That's just my my two cents. No, I think you're absolutely right. And this is what I was saying about legacy transactions having a leg up. Honestly, I don't think I know how money works. I, you know, <laughs> I've been using it my whole life. I've got an MBA. I honestly don't understand what the hell the Fed does. I don't understand what, you know, central depository banks do. I don't know what the overnight fees really mean. None of the way banking and money is actually applied is kind of opaque. But because everyone uses it and accepts it, I don't have to know. It's like the internal combustion engine. I understand generally why it might work. It's a great but analogy. I'm not going to open up the hood and, and, and mess with it, right? right? Right. And until crypto gets to that point where it's ubiquitous and I don't have to care how it works, then you're right. It's going to be less desirable to me than a few greenbacks in my hand. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. I think like. There have been already, of course, countries like accepting crypto, uh, like Bitcoin as legal tender and mm -hmm. stuff. But um, in I South think... America that recently, yeah. Nicaragua, I think. Yeah, well, it was Nicaragua. I was going to say Venezuela or Nicaragua. Um, yeah, they, they, they pegged their, their uh, country. Their central currency, currency to Bitcoin. Yeah. And boy, yeah. that blew up. <laughs> no. And of course, I mean, you were talking about, I don't know how much, um, but I just had a look like um bitcoin back in november 7th it hit almost 60,000 euros per the bitcoin and we are now like today 20,000 euros down like it's down to 20,000 euros so you're down to a third you're not losing a third you're losing two thirds at the moment and yeah so yeah. i yep. this is just like of course like this is not how currencies ha like work and um, that's the, and I think the root cause of this, of course, is like that people are not talking about it in certain, like, like they would talk about a currency. You're not talking about the euro, not talking about Canadian dollars, like uh, in it's regards to tulips. Yeah, yeah. You're not investing your U.S. dollars into into Canadian dollars because you think, well, it will fluctuate and then I can make a profit off of it. But this is how people like when you're talking about going to the moon, you're talking about like inflating the the potential whatever worth of of this digital code and thinking well somebody in one point will give me there i don't are, know 100k <laughs> there are daily forex traders there are people who make their living and make a killing on the exchange rates between currencies on yeah. the overnight they do that they do yeah i but i know but it's very small. Not, I mean, you know, the, the margins are tiny. You're talking about people who are sinking their life savings in, hoping it's going to go up 300% overnight. And, right. and if that's the case, it's probably not anything you want to use to buy a candy bar with. You know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there. All right, gentlemen. I, I think this, 
really quickly, Rafti, has, has anybody ever sent you Bitcoin and it's declined in its value before you were able to deposit it? And did, yep. did, did you lose money on that, on accepting that Bitcoin for that? No. Okay. I mean, of course, of course. And for that, I would, but it's the opposite way as well. So usually it evens out. Like okay. the fluctuation from us getting it into us selling it. And of course, I'm I'm watching the trend there as well. And I choose the point at where it's basically but, because of accounting reason. And as Ben was saying as well, and we already said like taxing for, for company, trying to make money like with selling at a higher price, it's not very good for us. But of course, if we're losing money, that's not too bad for us either because we can deduct that from taxes as well. So for us as a company, <laughs> all evens out. It's not yeah, as it's much. It's like depreciation for you almost. And yeah. and the nice part is you're not selling durable goods, so you don't have a cost of goods sunk in there. You're, you All the capital expenditure you've already done, now you're harvesting subscription rates. And whether or not you earn 100 euros versus 50 euros isn't as much a, a bleed for you, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. All right. Uh, I think we barely scratched the surface of this. I feel that way every time we talk about crypto. Um, but this was fascinating, and I, I yeah. love nerding out with y'all. So great. Yeah. Um, and are you feeling better now that you've had a few sips of that Eagle Rare under your belt? Are you better than an hour ago, Rafti? I always feel better after talking. He's, he's to a little more. He's a little more uh, rosé. I can. I can I'd say see. so as well. <laughs> he's got a little Santa Claus thing yeah. going on now, doesn't he? You just got to wear your beard to get white. All that right. grin's just a little bit wider since he's had a little bit of so. It's right, always excellent. it's always nice, and I always like talking to you. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> well, fantastic thank you again thank you for the idea of the topic i really appreciate that um thank you all once again for joining in um until next week i'm ben maliso and i'm matt snotty i'm rafael fiedler and i'm joey police join us again next time for another episode of the sensuous sounds of infosec <laughs>